Fun Parts is a show about, well, all our fun parts. But just a heads up that we'll be speaking pretty frankly about bodies, sexuality, spirituality, faith, and a host of other related topics. This episode includes references to sexual abuse and trauma, which may be difficult or triggering for some listeners. Also, you might not want to listen with your kids around. Finally, you can join the discussion on our Instagram page at Fun Parts Podcast. I think the last episode we kind of left off talking about like breasts. So I'm wondering if we could go to breasts. Okay. Just talk about breasts just a little bit more. Let's talk about breasts. <laughs> I was about to say, hey, could you sing this first? Let's, talk, let's about talk about breasts. Breast. Some I, people I, call them boobies. <laughs> there we go. Some people <laughs> call them bags of sand. Oh, dear God. So let's start there then. From Milieu Media Group, this is Fun Parts. An exploration of sexuality and spirituality. For anyone who's curious or convinced, there must be more. With your hosts, Latifa Alatas, Ashley Lusick, Steve Weens, Luke Bronner, and me, Becky Patton. Fun Mars! What are some names for breasts that you've heard throughout your life? Tits. Boobs. <sighs> God, I shouldn't have asked the question if I didn't want an answer. (laughs) Was it breasts, fun bags? Fun bags. That's on some Jim Carrey movie. I think so, but I I mean, I grew up thinking Mm -hmm. about fun bags. I remember hearing people say sag bags. Oh, that's different. That's sad, isn't it? But I remember people saying sag bags. My mom would always say for small breasts, two BBs on a breadboard. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like uh, juicy, juicy mangoes. Yeah. Did you just make that up? No, just okay. juicy mangoes. <laughs> or, You're sure you didn't just make that up? No, okay. I mean, or two I, bumps on a log. Two bumps on a log. I've been referring to breasts as juicy, juicy mangoes for a very long time. That feels like run out of Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> it would, man, if we could get a yeah, oh, tropical version. Pomegranate. Tatas. Tatas. Oh, there's so many. Tatas. You need Alan for this. <laughs> Nanes. My Nanes. <laughs> yeah, my Nanes. Yeah, my Nanes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nanes. Wow. Or the knobbies? The knobbies. Well, okay, but in Australia, knob is a reference to a penis. And I learned that the hard way, which no is pun intended. The hard way. But I was at a Christian music festival <laughs> as a band, and I was like in this trailer. In Australia? No, no, no. But the sound guy was from Australia. Oh. And I said before he left, have a great time turning knobs. Oh, yeah. And oh, no. <laughs> he looked at me with just so much horror. And I was like, what? That's what you're doing. You're literally turning knobs on a soundboard. And he's like, you cannot say that. I was like, I feel like it's the right word. And, and then he didn't know how to explain to me that in Australia, a knob is referred reference to a penis. I think that's true in British culture, Maybe too. Maybe as yeah, well. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I like mean, you don't ask for knob. a napkin either yeah. in Great Britain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. When I ask for a napkin, they, that's what? a sanitary pad. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. breasts. Yeah, we're breasts. breasts. That's what we're talking okay. about. So you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I'll let you take it. Well, you're the one who actually wanted to name them, though. Well, I was, <laughs> with I was wrong. and I. <laughs> He's like, Trust me, I regret it. Okay. <laughs> no, I just think that there's a couple different mm. things. When I think about breasts, I think we, all of us have had experience with them. Some of us actually have them. And one of the things that in last season, one of the things I shared about is my girlfriend who lost her breast to cancer. And it was a very intimate, sensual moment when I actually touched that part of her that didn't have breasts anymore. And so part of this is I think there are ways in which women have identified being female a lot of times with having breasts. And I don't think that's the only thing that needs to, but what happens is they get displayed out there in ways that become capital marketing for everything from most cars to cigarettes to toothpaste. I mean, it can just anything to try and sell. And so they get exploited Mm -hmm. a lot of times. So I think we haven't really, as women, it's a hard relationship with our breasts to understand how to actually even have a relationship with them. Because they're out there, they're exposed in a way that they become kind of common fodder for jokes, for judgment, for so many women either want to hide them or they want to display them. And it's like, to be really honest, as a woman, I recognize the power breasts can have 
in being able to kind of subtly manipulate a situation if you want to. I mean, when I was younger and had a little bit more perk there, that was easier. But so they're kind of, I think, this volatile element. And yet at the core, they are the very beginning of life in so many ways. They're one of the ways that women first kind of know they're pregnant a lot of times is because the breasts tend to swell. When tender, right? And they become very tender, but they start to swell very early on. So part of it is we talked earlier about the fact that in porn, there's a possibility, there's so many men, and I know we we have a mutual friend who believes that that's a lot of the source in porn for men being attracted to breasts is it has to do with unresolved or wounds from childhood or things like... With their mother. With their mother and right. things like that. Anyway, so... I'm just curious, and this sounds like such a weird question, but like, what are your thoughts when you think of breasts? I can't believe I'm going to go first. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You are. Do you want me to look at you? Do you want me to look away? That's fine. I'm, I'm going for it. Okay. The first thing that comes to my mind is there is a bit of a trope around the idea that men love big breasts. And that's never been a thing for me. Like I've always been more attracted to like smaller breasted figures. Mm -hmm. And that's been so impossible to believe for people with whom I've been romantically involved to think that I didn't wish something was different about them. And I've always been like, but I don't. And I'm not just trying to say the right thing to you. I'm telling you like, mm -hmm. that's not my thing. And I can't believe I'm saying the things I'm saying. You're doing great. Go I ahead. think that that has to do with my mom. Like I remember my mom, and there's a lot to unpack here around, you know, I love my mom dearly. I've always had a very, very close relationship to my mom. But so much of my life has been about when I talk about like, I just wanted to be a good boy. I, it's always been about my mom. I always really care about how my mom perceives me. Mm -hmm. And so she from childhood was a bit of an ideal for me. She was what it's supposed to be. And everyone else was trying to be that. Does that make sense? I measured people against my mom. Okay. And, you know, my mom's not like a super shapely person. She's, you know, a normal build. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just like, I didn't grow up in a world where like having large breasts was a thing to be desired or something. It was, that's just not what I saw growing up. And so it's not something that I find like a natural draw towards. Mm. But that's what comes to my mind when you, when you say that is the number of conversations I've had with people who I've loved or even just friends who I hear them talk about their own body. I, I even hearing you in season one, talk about your relationship to your breasts. It was just like, I hear that a lot. People who are yeah. very like self-conscious about the size of their breasts mm -hmm. and assume that that is what every man desires. And it's not. Somebody start talking. Quick. Thank you for okay. being brave. No, was, I think things like... are being really brave. I, hesitate. I mean, COVID, you know, we've got these masks you know, that we all wear now. And I was listening to the radio yesterday and there was a story about this dad who sent his son to school, his nine-year-old boy to school, I believe it was, with a mask that the school deemed was inappropriate. And the, it was a Hooters mask. It just says or, Hooters on it. Well, it had an image, I guess. Oh. Of, anyway, but the bottom line is, to your point, that there is an element here that we even have restaurants that are around. It has to be a certain size. And to actually work at a Hooters bar, I know somebody who actually worked at one, and they said you had to have it be a certain cup size to even apply. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but what she had on the thing that there was a certain element that they're looking for in a certain thing. So I think it's actually a misconception. I mean, that is just such a false conception that it's just large boobs that we're going after or that men are attracted to because men are actually... Or women. Or women. Or women. Yeah, yeah. men or women. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it's attracted to large boobs. And I think it's like, that's where we have to have a relationship with our own body first. Yes. Because that's how we're going to present it. Yeah. I developed breasts fairly early in junior high and had a kind of a shame-based experience around having larger breasts because... It was really hard for me to find clothes that fit me in a way – I talked about this in season one where like if they're too loose, I feel like I look heavier than I actually am. And if they're too tight, then I'm being too sexual just just because 
I have large breasts. Whereas like a smaller breasted girlfriend could wear that shirt and it's not deemed slutty, but if I wear it, that it is. I was also an athlete. So I kind of had like a hate relationship with my breast because I, I would wear two sports bras because I would run and it would be painful. You know, technology has gotten a lot better with bras, which is great, but then it was just really frustrating. Or finding a swimsuit that like you could even like go out with your friends where you wouldn't get in trouble, even if it was a one piece, because you're sort of like billowing out of it. So I kind of like resented my large breast until I started really engaging with loving my body in my later 20s, early 30s. And now that I'm in the back half of my 30s, like, you know, I'm a double D cup, I'm 5'2", I'm very curvy, I have an ethnic body, and I love my breasts. Like, I will actually touch my own breast for comfort, touch my belly for comfort, like literally just for comfort, not even like to rev up into self-pleasuring or anything. Like, I just enjoy the sensation of them. And we were just talking off mic at lunch how like, I've been embracing like not wearing bras because, you know, there's a lot of science around truncating your lymphatic system with underwire bras and that bras are really invented to make breasts look perky and large or be pushed up to attract admirers, whether it be male or female, you know, and how like occasionally I like to wear one because I like it, but why do I feel like breasts that hang low are less attractive, you know? So it's not just like large breasts or small breasts, but breasts in a certain gravity or anti-gravity state, I guess you would say, which is like really frustrating. Or like high heels were invented because it makes us push our chest out, which makes our breasts appear larger, right? And it's not great for our backs, but like if you want to wear them, great. If you feel fabulous, wonderful. But like there's just certain things that as I've embraced my body and enjoyed my body, I realize that it's not about being small or large, but it's about like loving what is on me or is not on me, I guess you could say. And when I think about my partner, I like really don't, I want him to be healthy, but I don't really care about like his shape and essence. Like I just love his body, you know? So if his belly's one way or his pecs are one way, you know, like Alan's pecs are one way. But like, it's like, I think I've found myself attracted to a lot of different shapes and it's really about being attracted to a person, you know, and why do I not give myself the same benefit? Yep. I guess would be the question. I'm curious about women and breasts and their relationship with their breasts because, you know, the bra industry, I mean, bras are so expensive. Oh yeah. my gosh, right? They're yes. so expensive. Yeah. And it seems like to get one that really fits in the way you want to, it's impossible and how oh, to 99. do it. Yeah. And it's this stressful thing and either women feel embarrassed sometimes because their breasts are too big or too small or have lost their shape or, you know, it's just, it seems so like what a complicated relationship. And I just wonder, and do women compare, I don't, it's like women are comparing each other to each other. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just very curious about that because it seems like, you know, from, and I'm hetero, I'm cisgender, I've always been attracted to breasts, not necessarily, you know, big or small, just they're, I like the way they look, you know, some, some, <laughs> can I say that? Yeah. Is that okay to say? I like the way they look too. Part of your wife and make sure she's okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I like it. But actually I'm more curious in women's relationship with their breasts and understanding it and as it relates to their relationship with other women because- that seems very tenuous at times and there's comparison and there's shame and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm also just quickly thinking of people who identify as female, but are not in a female body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like there's, the, and then their journey, if they choose to take that yeah. journey, like that's. Well, I, one of my friends, yeah. transgender woman, I was just on a walk with her two days ago. She's pretty new into her transition process. And I asked her how it was going with hormone therapy and you know, it's actually going pretty well. I'm, my breasts are growing a little bit and I was like, wow, that's great. You know? And anyway, yes, I wanted to say yes. Even that relationship like like, has got to be really unique. And then I'm also feeling curious and we can address this later, but about men's relationship to their penis. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be a whole episode on penis. I've got that down here. So that's coming. But can I, but I want to say to our our friend. Thank you. (laughs) Knock that out of the park. That really was, I was actually setting you up. Okay. There you you. go. And I appreciated you knocking it out of the park for me. We can't help it. Last episode, there was several times where 
the phrase coming together was uttered where I refrained from well done. chirping out loud. I'm going to say like a handful. <laughs> oh, oh, a handful. Okay. Okay. Speaking of breast. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the but pastor. I want I, but Steve, that friend is my friend as well, yeah, yeah. and I just adore her. And one of the conversations I would love for us to have with her at some point yeah. or be able to have this is this element of how different it would be developing a relationship with breast after longing and staying and hiding for so long and then suddenly having that emerge in that mm -hmm. way and there's excitement about it. Yeah. Whereas when I was in junior high and that started happening – I have vivid memories of suddenly, you know, the group shower room. And the only time you got out of it is if you were taking a group showers, if you were on your period. And I don't know how they do that now. I mean, I was, you know, 13 it's, hundreds of years ago. But wow. the. But do they do group showers no, anymore? No, I didn't have that. I can't believe that, that would really still happen. Tough. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, anyway, it was yeah. really tough because especially you knew then because you had to change into your gym clothes and you had to change back. You knew who had a bra on or who didn't. You just knew it. And so yeah. you knew who had. So I want to say for myself, that was a lot of where a lot of shame came around mm -hmm. my breast because I was a slower developer. But I, the thing that I know in my own experience, I want to say, and then also one of the things that in science, we know that as a girl goes through puberty, there are hormones that are raging through the body too. So there's emotional things that are going on at the same time that that development, I would say that perking out is happening, that it feels very confusing. And I think mm. that's, it's just very confusing as a young girl. And then ultimately what I found in the area of sex that I think is so important about breasts is how I feel about my breasts will determine how I share my breasts with my partner. Ooh, because that if, makes sense. It, it, oh, totally. Because it's like, I noticed a direct shift when I went to this place of trying to learn how to love it changed how I made love. It changed Trying how, to change the way you love your body. The way totally. I love my body, yes. It changed making love with my body because then my breasts became something of sharing and presenting and like I want to share these with you. Mm. And that's so different than I'm ashamed of them and I, I want to hide them. Mm. And so sometimes I think, I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself and my own experience. I couldn't imagine, I thought my husband just really wanted something bigger than what I had. And so I was continually playing off of a cultural norm in my head. And I want to say as our relationship deepened and as I began to have deeper elements of sex with my husband, of vulnerability, I began to trust him in deeper ways. And therefore it was like, oh, I can bring these to you as they are. And I don't during arousal, your breasts do actually swell yeah. some. So they do actually yeah. get a little bit bigger. But it's like there was suddenly this different relationship I had with my body. So therefore, I could have my body have a different relationship in the act of sex. So beautiful. I mean, it makes so much sense. Like when I'm able to care for myself and love myself, my ability to love others deepens and widens. Absolutely. So I would imagine that it will it deepen and widened your sexual experience. Absolutely. Yeah. It did. I love that. I grew a, a cup size like every year of high school. Oh, wow. And maintained, it wasn't because of weight, it was just developmentally. I'm remembering back to my senior year of high school. I can feel my heart starting to race because this was a traumatic experience. Oh, <laughs> sure. But um, I was taking like a shop class, like I had wow. electives you could take, and it was like basic car care. That's what it was. Cool. And I remember we had done like a trip to France with the French club and I was talking about like I had come back to the class. It was after the trip, and the teacher was like, "Oh, how was your trip?" and whatever. And and he was just for context, like an older single man in like the softball coach, and known for not being just not good with boundaries. Tactful, yeah. Like just there was some things where he probably yeah. <laughs> You're okay. You just take a deep breath. Um, take a deep breath. Like do yeah do your do your tapping. I just haven't talked about this for a long time, but. I remember sharing, like, there was, like, these three things that my French, like, brother, host brother had talked about, about Americans. And one was, like, how we're, like, we're fat and lazy and all women have breast implants. It was just kind of this thing. And I'm, like, I'm, like, 17 years old, just, like, regurgitating what I heard and whatever. And, and his response was, well, did you tell him about yours? What? And I was, like, and I think about my 17-year-old, like, I don't even remember. I completely shut down. It was just, like. 
three girls in the class. Like it was just like this. He said this in a classroom. In a classroom in front of all these. The teacher. The teacher. The teacher did. That is so inappropriate. It was extremely. And I actually went to the principal, the associate principal about it. It was like one of those moments of like, this is not okay. This is. And to be honest, my own dad did not know how to handle it. Like he was just like, you're making too big of a deal out of this, which is another whole layer of all of this too of. But the school administration didn't do like anything. And this was like, this man had like a laundry list of offenses building okay. up over time. It's kind of yeah. what I was getting to earlier. Like this was nothing new, but no one was right. going to do anything about it. Mm. And I think that was one of the first moments for me of like, oh, these say something outside of me. Like they have a life of their own, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so then from high school, I go to a conservative Christian college, which at that point, then you're like, yeah told that you are responsible yeah. for your brothers in Christ and their whole relationship to purity purity and all of that. And I remember... And to their bodies. Yes. Mm. You're responsible yeah. for their relationship to their bodies. Which we're, yes. we're, we're going to come back to that one, okay? Yeah. So I go to college, gain weight, like freshman 15 or whatever. And so I was struggling with my own body image stuff. And I would wear like larger sweatshirts because, of course, as you gain weight, then your breasts Get also big. grow. And so it's this whole thing. And I remember this friend of mine who I had like the biggest crush on for all of college and him saying to me at one point, I think it was probably junior or senior year. So like we've been friends for a number of years and he thanked me for wearing large sweatshirts because it kept him from stumbling because I had a large oh chest. So I just reinforced 100%. Yeah. And I remember thinking too, like I had this very weird, like, because I also was like in love with him. Mm-hmm. Like it was this weird, like, compliment so like i just think about the twisted nature of Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. it was just Mm -hmm. so yeah it was just messy and i mean that's been a comment like i remember i had actually only a couple years ago like there was a drinking situation with a work gathering and it was the person who ran the company said to me you have a nice rack like like just that has been like something that's like been this whole thing and over time at that point like i've i've come to like such a different place in relationship Mm -hmm. to them myself but it was just like I literally went back to that seventeen-year-old girl because mm-hmm. I wish I could have said like "fuck you." Yeah. But mm-hmm. I was like in the midst of my own healing journey and all of that mm-hmm. too. But it was there's so much power. Men do not realize the power they have to speak over women's bodies, and it's like that left such an like an indelible mark for me. Mm-hmm. And I think about just now how differently I feel, and I've been thinking about this and wanting to share it like. I had this very beautiful experience several years ago going to Seattle to visit a friend. Mm. And I got to go to this Korean spa, which I call the Naked Lady Spa. Yes. And so where you get to go and you like fully undress, you wear like a hairnet. And then they go and like literally scrub you down like all the crevices. Mm -hmm. And it was like the most (laughs) interesting and amazing experience. And it was like to be in a space. And they have these different pools and different things you can do and whatever. But it's like all these women where it's just like bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All different shapes and sizes. And you're like, huh. Yeah. I'm not doing too bad for one thing. You're like, because yeah. you're always self-analyzing, you know, yeah. or, but just go like, oh, that's how that looks. And because mm-hmm. we don't get to even see mm-hmm. real bodies outside mm-hmm. of like Photoshopped mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. constructions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And to have someone... <laughs> literally scrubbed me down in a way but that was so Mm (laughs) non-sexual because they were just clean and it reshaped my relationship to my own body like I had this whole like comfort level that I'm like huh like it was just it was the beginning of like that shift that started to happen and it was just a really beautiful experience very unique experience and it was awesome because it was in a different city I knew I wasn't gonna run into anybody I knew I think it's Um, interesting you mentioned the power that men had to speak over and I think we've that's, given them that power. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I yeah. don't think it's just men. Like I'm thinking of the number of times I've been sitting with a female friend or someone, you know, and like someone pops up on the TV and their first thing is like, those are fake. Those are fake. Mm-hmm. Her boobs are fake. You know, mm-hmm. like that, yeah. that instant call out yeah. of there's something unnatural here. And I'm always like, well, what is that debate about? Like, jealousy. <laughs> but it, I mean, but I like know. it's it's self indictment. I think is what it is. It's like I'm incriminating myself, feeling like my breast. At least I'll speak to myself when I have said things that are critical of other women's bodies that I deem are quote unquote more attractive than mine. It's generally out of jealousy or bitterness that that's not what my body looks like. But I don't currently desire to get breast implants because the definition that culture has given us 
of what beautiful is, I'm still deconstructing on some level. But at least for me, when I have torn down another female for their appearance or their attractiveness, it's generally out of jealousy. I'll just be really honest. And I try not to do that anymore, but I definitely have been critical of women who are more free with their bodies or more open with their bodies or have a body that I would like to have, but do not have. When I think I'm even thinking of like, when I hear some of the stories that y'all are sharing, like how do we teach ourselves in a moment to not like see, to not assess whether something is real or fake and like pass judgment on that thing, but rather see the trauma that that person may have experienced that made them alter their body. You well, know? Yeah. I think it's about seeing somebody as like a complete whole, also divine image bearer. Like it's about not seeing just bodies. Even when it comes to ourself, when I think about, I have had friends, I have not done this, but I've had friends, multiple friends tell me that they've stood in mirrors and taken Sharpies and circled areas of their bodies that they hated or cut or do things because they're so ashamed of their inner thighs or underarms or stomach area or butt area. And I mean, women are hard on ourselves and we're hard on each other in certain ways and certain phases of my life that has been true of me too. And so like, I think as we start to like, look at the qualitative beauty of human beings, which is so many things, mind, body, soul, spirit, when we can do that for ourselves, at least for me, it has become much easier to like see that qualitative entire experience in somebody else as opposed to just like, oh, there's a piece of ass or there's a hot rack or yeah, whatever like it is that phrase, mm-hmm. God, that's like rack. running through. I want to say like, how do you get to a place where that's how you think of a, mm-hmm. let alone to say that well, to it's, a it's woman. Well, it's disassociation. I think we, power. yeah, we disassociate in order to sometimes consume or sometimes we disassociate because of our own trauma. I think it's generally, Becky, you can probably speak much more knowledgeably well, than I can, but. Well, no, I mean, I don't think I'm an yeah. expert. I mean, I, I have some, but I don't think I'm an expert. Yeah. I think that here's the thing that I know is I can't give the grace to somebody else if I can't give it to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I know that in 1984, when I began the journey of like, okay, I want to embrace these breasts. And it came from at a very emotional way for me that was directly connected to a physical act of nursing my daughter. And given that moment and the journey that happened very gradually, and I can't put it, wasn't linear. There was this moment, I remember being really fully awake to who I was as a physical human being and with laughter and utter delight, delighting Mm -hmm. in my body. And it was during the birth of my second daughter. And it was like, I was so determined that my second delivery was going to be so different than my first because I'd been in labor way too long. And I didn't know enough, but I knew my body could do it, you know? And it was like, and this is the energy I've tried my best to give women Mm. anytime I talk to them about their delivery or things like that is your body has everything in it. It knows what it needs to do. You get to trust your body. Mm. And there was a blizzard going on. I got to the hospital I didn't know I was in labor and I labored all day. They wouldn't let me leave because of the blizzard. Mm. And all day long I labored by walking through the hallways and literally just marveling at my body as I was walking through the hallway. And I was it, so weird, the things you remember, but I remember I told my husband, no, go back to work. It's no big deal. This will take a long time, you know? <laughs> and he's like, he's scrum- running over to work to try and, I mean, we were downtown. He was running over to work trying to finish things up so he can get back to me and he can't find me when he gets back. And I'm out walking the halls, just I'm walking, talking to everybody. And I'm just, and finally they made me take a wheelchair with me. They said, you need to sit down occasionally. Cause I was like in the hallway going, I am Becky. (laughs) I am Becky and I am woman. I can do this. And I remember there was a moment where I was sitting in the hallway in this wheelchair and I began to just laugh. Like it was some, maybe I was delirious. I don't know, but I was so delighted that I was in my body. It's integration. It was integration, but it was like this moment. And I think because I was having to breathe so deep to go through the Mm. contractions, there was a lot moving through me. Mm. And there was this moment where I went back and I said, okay, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I need, I need some meds. You know, and I go back to the nurse, she says, well, let's check you. And she goes, 
oh, honey, you're at eight and a half centimeters. We can't give you anything. Here we go. And I was like, you know, I won't say what I said, but the, <laughs> there was this moment that I said, okay, here we go. And I called on all the, my four mothers and I said, I need your help now because I can't do this alone. And I was, I didn't have to. And there, pushing my daughter out was this utter eruption of joy in me, of feeling my body and knowing it. And I have never had the same relationship with my body since then. And it wasn't that it was giving birth that did it to me. It was that I was willing, I think in some ways I was pressing into pain, even as I'm recounting it now, I realized I was pressing into pain not that you'd have to do childbirth without painkillers. Please don't take that from this. Yeah. For me, it was pressing into some pain and going all the way through it. And I felt literally surrounded by other women. What I think is so beautiful about this is you're, you're talking about being present in your body. And a lot of time when people experience pain, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, the move is to disassociate from your body to leave your body, mm-hmm. to avoid the suffering. Well, I know how to do that because that's do. a part of my, that's part of my yes. abuse that I did know yes, how to do that. Because you were surviving. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And as like, as children, we leave, I would disassociate my body with painful memories that I had in my past as well. And as I've done a lot of work to reintegrate into my body, you sort of start to realize that you're beholding this magnificent life. And I think when we remove our humanity, we remove kind of those things from ourselves or somebody else in order to survive or to commit some sort of act that we don't want to feel responsible for later. So like if I were to speak something hateful to you, I'm kind of stripping you of your humanity so I can like make you smaller. If I really see you for like somebody that is infused with goodness and infused with the divine, infused, like all of these things. It's really hard for me to do that. And when I think of sex in particular and sex acts where people have taken advantage of other people, whether it be through a video screen or um, sex trafficking or in a marriage, like when we rob our partner of their humanity or ourselves, it becomes a consumptive act, Mm -hmm. like consuming you versus like being in communion, being communion yeah. with or community with. And that's where I think it starts to create a lot of trauma, like for everybody involved, you know? And so like we did Wim Hof breathing exercises this morning as a team, which is basically deep breath work. And the whole room was different afterwards because mm-hmm. we got into our bodies, mm-hmm. you know, which was so beautiful. And it just, it changes the tone. Mm-hmm. And when you said you're doing all that deep breathing, that's what I thought of. I was like, you were Wim Hofing. I was like, Wim Hofing right into pregnancy. I was Wim Hofing into pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Into birth. Well, if you think yeah. about Lamaze, Lamaze in yeah. and of itself is using the breath, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. There's something about the relationship that we have with our body will be the relationship that we ultimately put out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just an important thing to notice is having a relationship with your body will impact how you view other people's bodies. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking even too about how you use or not use someone else's body. Like one thing that I was thinking as we were coming into this next season was the phrase that came to mind was like how I was outsourcing my pleasure. Like Mm. to have, because, and what I'm realizing as we're talking through this is like, because I wasn't in my body yet. So I'd had these experiences. Mm. This is like the singleness window between my divorce and getting remarried, but having these different intimate encounters with men. And I was so concerned with their experience Mm -hmm. versus my own. Like it was this really interesting, like I had been so programmed that it was all about as women, like our role is to please men. Yeah. Yeah, Like that's part of what I inherited from my family system in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And so I didn't even know how to connect to myself Mm -hmm. in that when we talk about like even just desire and all that. And it was a shift of getting like that. I talked about this in the last season of like having that moment in time, like I need to stop and get into my own deep healing Mm. work. And so much of that deep healing work was actually like learning to accept and love my own body, which completely changed the dynamic I had going into a more committed relationship because I got to show up differently in that. But I just think about how I was so outside focused. Mm -hmm. Like I was letting other people consume me because I thought that's what was that was That's the narrative. Gonna, that was going to give mm-hmm. you the connection I wanted and all of those right. things and whatnot. And so I just think that internal connection 
to the body at some point. I'm, I was thinking back to, I had an experience in acupuncture last fall. And for anyone who hasn't tried it, it's one of the most <laughs> oh my gosh, healing experiences. It is really yeah. awesome. I think what's beautiful about it is they put the needles in and then you have this time that you're by yourself. Mm. And I remember having, it was almost like I was in communication with my body and it was this like, things were being cleared out. I was doing a lot of gut work and it was like, I could see like the soil being tended and like mm. being like reworked. And so that like new things could grow, which mm-hmm. I just think about like having this moment of realizing like I was creating space for life yeah. many ways. Mm-hmm. And, but it was just this, such a beautiful experience to like actually communicate and realize like my body has its own stories it's trying to tell me if I will listen I think your body has its own consciousness for sure yeah Yeah. and I've had moments like I'm gonna thank you you know like just being consciously Mm -hmm. aware I'm like saying that back and it's like this dialogue that's happening between that has changed so many so many things for me so and you know it's interesting because I'm realizing a couple things when I went through that I the thing that I have told myself over and over again when I was doing some healing work on myself it wasn't really until after my second daughter was born that I realized I needed to get some help. Mm. And it was going through that experience physically mm-hmm. made me realize whatever I faced, I could press through. Mm. I have an aunt who, it was like three months after I got married and she came to visit our family and she called me down in the basement. She says, come here, I have something to give you. I didn't give you your wedding present. I want to give it to you. So she takes me downstairs and it's the anatomy of the female body. And that's what she gives me. And I, she said, <laughs> this is my wedding <laughs> gift. And she goes, here, the thing is, is you need to know about your body. I know you hate sex. It's an obligation for you. You have to do it. And no matter how much your body refuses, you have to lay there for your husband. <laughs> oh my and God, I remember looking at so her traumatic. and I looked at this book and I was like, Mm-mm. and I, in that moment, I mean, it's not what I was experiencing. I mean, I was having great sex at You're that like, point. No. I've been getting it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no land down happened. But in that moment, what I saw, and this is, I didn't have the language for it at that time, but years later, I realized what I saw is I saw the generations of pain mm. that she was carrying. And that that was an act of love for her. Oh, it was a huge act yeah, of love. She you can was hear it. giving yeah, me something. That she's like, I'm here for you. I want you to know this. It was a huge act of love. Mm. But what I realized is that aunt had gotten remarried to a man. And later I found out he required her to have sex with him every night. And um, required. after required because they'd gotten married. And now that he said, that's your obligation until the day I die, you will do this. And I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but when I was looking into her eyes, what, so all, the reason I'm saying this, and she was in her 60s when this happened, can you imagine the pain she's looking forward into life? And so anything that we don't resolve wound-wise, we will want to pass on in subtle ways. So even the work that you were saying there, Latifa, about you know, sometimes I do that because out of jealousy and stuff like that. So as you do the work, we have a different energy we get to put exactly out into this right. world yeah. that is like, I mean, I remember doing that too. I have a real curiosity when I see someone that there might be some enhancements. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, huh, how do you do an enhancement there? I mean, that's, yeah. I find myself now yeah. and what, I don't know when it shifted, yeah. but I really, honestly, I don't have a jealousy of other women's bodies. I, I really don't. I don't anymore. But I did. I did too. I did, but I don't. Because part of that is the journey of can we actually love and accept who we are? The more that I've loved my body, the more I love, honestly, everybody's it, body. Like, I'm like, wow, that's that kind past, of it multiplies it. And tove. the diversity mm-hmm. of bodies I also find incredibly beautiful. And one mm-hmm. of the things that's really started that journey of acceptance for me is I started practicing Bikram yoga and it's so hot. It's 105 degrees in the class that like I would stand right in front of the mirror so I could like really see what my muscles were doing. And I wore like a bandeau bra top and like tiny little bike shorts. And I, I used to tell myself I couldn't wear those things because I wasn't a size two and I have a curvy body and I have cellulite and I have stretch marks certain places. And then I was like, but I really need to see what my body's doing and I want to do this work. And so I spent years in front of a mirror with not a lot of clothes on and strange and wonderful poses. (laughs) And I just started loving my body mm. because I was like, look what my body's 
doing? Like, look what my body can do, you know? And now it's like, I, like I noticed the other day, I was looking at underwear and clothes on Urban Outfitters and they have underwear models where there's just massive stretch marks on their legs. And I didn't feel judgmental of it. I thought, oh, isn't that beautiful? Finally. I know, finally, really. And, and like the Target has different size models mm-hmm. in their store. And, but absolutely, there is a complete association and parallel to the more that I love my body, the more I love everybody's bodies, no matter what they look like. And so there's less jealousy. Like I don't, when I see a, a woman with the culturally deemed wonderful set of breasts, I'm not like, bitch, you know, like <laughs> instead I'm like, you look great. Yeah. And yeah. I look great. You're like, and aren't we great? Oh, can I, can I plug your, uh, the video that you did? Yes. Um, oh yeah. my gosh. The, the, um, I mean, bang, bang. bang that's yeah. it. Yeah. Last night we were talking and I said, yeah. oh, Latifah, when you put that dress on, that was killer. It looked yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Kudos to the director. She's yeah. amazing. She but if you haven't dress. seen, oh, you've got it. Yeah. You have to see that we'll video. Link in the show notes. Link so, in the show notes. Because yeah. that Lotus is like Vera. killer. Bang. That video is so good. I so. felt amazing. Well, you looked like, see, yeah. you. Yeah. I did. I felt awesome. And that's where yeah. I will say, honestly, we need to care. Oh, the ladies or the girls. That's another name for boobs. The girls. Oh, yeah. Mm. The girls. Yeah, the girls. Yeah. And I actually kind of like that name. Yeah. I want to care girls. for the girls. The girls are out mm-hmm. to play. Yeah. I want to I want to care for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, can I say something? Because I'm imagining some of my friends, women and men, who have body image issues still and have done work, you know. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you saying, which I really enjoy, is that like there's a setting of an intention to listen to your body, mm-hmm. not your mind. Mm. and I've been doing some just such helpful reading lately from Richard Rohr and others highlighting that we think that what we think is the sum total of who we are and our experience. (laughs) Like we think that's who we are, what we think, what was going on in our minds when really like actually our minds are some of our worst, like yep. we're classifying our own yeah. selves and others. We're judging mm-hmm. our own selves because that's what the mind does. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of all it can do. Yeah. And so probably we're not going to think our way into healthy, mm-hmm. self-compassionate so body love. Yeah. We are going to have to learn to listen to what our bodies are telling us. And that's a long journey. But there are some, you know, helpful resources. The body when the body keeps the, the score. body keeps the score is a great Basil resource. Cor- and and there are others. Thank God, more and more people are writing about yeah. this and yeah. and talking about this. But I think that's an important clarification to make. You, I don't think maybe you can, but I don't think you can think your way into self love, self compassion. Yeah. No, but, it was an experience. It's an experience yeah. that happens, yes. and then I, I don't even think you can actually name it in the moment. I I don't think you can. A lot of times you have to process it with somebody. You have to think about it. It comes back at different times. Mm -hmm. But we can do small things Mm -hmm. that have big payoffs. Like the breath work. Like I I was thinking for for people who say like, how Mm -hmm. do I even get started? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm completely lost and I have so much self-loathing or Mm -hmm. self-hatred. All right. How do I integrate? Like what I would say breath work is free, available all the time. You can Google Wim Hof if you want to try that, W-I-M-H-O-F. Also in the show notes. Also in the okay. show notes. So you had never done, Luke, breath work, especially the Wim Hof thing. Yeah. And you had, I, I noticed you saying 30 minutes prior around kind of the breakfast area that like you carry a lot of tension in your shoulders that you've like, you know, all these kinds of things. And then we did the Wim Hof thing. We did three rounds of breathing. And you said, I didn't even realize until the third set that I was clenching like my mm-hmm. shoulders up mm-hmm. and then I let them go, you know, and, and it took two rounds of breath work to even have that realization, yeah. right. That you could even unclench them. It's just simple physiological breathing work that doesn't, we don't need anything else than to show up and breathe and it can actually start moving things for us. We don't have to think our way through it. Our body yeah. will guide us. Yep. And if we just give it oxygen, mm-hmm. give it time and mm-hmm. patience give it presence, like it will generously like magnify and return so much. And I think we're so impatient. I've heard people say, well, I don't have time to do 15 minutes of breathing. And yeah, I'm like, you do. like, well, like technically I, you're breathing now, but like also <laughs> yeah. like 15 minutes is not, it's yeah. such a large payoff. 
You yeah, know, fifteen minutes to do a lot of things, and and it's it's yeah. setting an intention, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're not going to do it every day, maybe unless you do. But mm-hmm. you said a phrase this morning, even it helps you drop down into, into your body. body, and I think that's a very helpful way to even think about how it looks. You know, it's moving from the mind to the body. You know, I kind of want to add to that too. I had um, experience last week. I was had a couple extremely like stressful weeks at work because we we're in the midst of a really big project, and I had a appointment for a craniosacral massage. And the irony was, is this practitioner who I know well, (laughs) we ended up talking for the first like 45 minutes of my session because that's what I, that's what actually what I came in and what I needed. Mm -hmm. But what he was, we worked through was he talked to it like, as I was so emotional, I could cry. I was like immediately crying. He's like, where are you feeling in your body? And I kind of pointed to like just below my breasts and like, but kind of the center of my chest, like this and just what was happening there. And we kind of worked through it and like kind of moved towards it and this whole like practice. And he's like, well, that's where your identity lies. Wow. It's in the center. And he's like, you're pregnant. Like your identity is shifting and changing. And of course I'm like tears <laughs> and all those things. But it was like to feel for one, my body release that. Mm-hmm. But then also he just said this and it's funny because I've heard the phrase mind body before so many times, but it clicked and he's like up here. So neck up. He's like, that's your brain. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but neck down. He's like, that's your mind. Yes. That's like actually what's giving feedback right. and like sharing. So your mind, body, and it just like clicked for me of like, and that's what it was. The problem was, was I was, I was all in my brain. brain and I was so disconnected from my actual body that just that practice of what we did together through that visualization and breathing connected me back into my body. Mm-hmm. And I physically was like, huh, there we go. Like it was just. Your body was telling you too, it was giving yeah. you information. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, sometimes you do have to kind of eat. You know, you're in an intense situation, things happen, whatever. But it was like, can I be intentional and reconnect now? Mm-hmm. And I think about as we're talking about even this learning to love your body and all these pieces, like this is a continual, I'm sure we'd all agree, like a continual oh, yeah. journey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the different seasons yeah. and like as things change and as oh, things so stretch and like grieving what was and realizing like I will never have the body I had before that I finally, mm-hmm. I finally really learned to yeah. love this body. And now it's really changing. And oh, so we get to keep pre-practicing and yeah, falling in love yeah, with yeah. our body because our body yeah. keeps changing. Yeah. I mean, I had different seasons. and yeah. 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 It's just different seasons. But it's I think it's a practice mm-hmm. of loving our bodies yeah. that helps us to be able to move into that next season yeah, and that yeah. next season. Yes. It's not like I don't ever experience envy. It's just now I it doesn't like take over the wheel and steer no, the car No, it anymore. doesn't steer it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it passes through. Yeah, it passes through. Yeah. Of course it does. Definitely. But it's like I would I trade what I've got for that. Well, you it's know. like I'd rather celebrate that than mm-hmm. knock it down. Yeah. So that's how that happens. You asked how does that happen? <laughs> I think that all came from that. You're like, how does it get to a point where a guy says, nice rack? It's like right. that was that whole <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember asking any <laughs> You're just still on your body. Boobies. <laughs> What's interesting to me too about that conversation is not only the ways in which that envy sort of is projected onto other people and that judgment is sort of projected of like, oh, well, they did this and they did that. And that's actually saying something about you. But it also, I've seen that manifest in an inability to receive positive messaging. Like, so when you tell a person something that you really love about their body and they are not able to receive it because they will immediately tear down the other parts of them. They're like, no, it's this and it's this and it's this. And it's like... I hate that that's the experience that people have. And I'm sure I do the same thing, but like, I wish that we could get to a place of, it's back to something we said in the sort of trailer for this season of like, there's a difference between saying like, this is my body and and that's okay. And saying, this is my body and that's good. I was working with this shaman a few weeks ago and he was talking about how we have core wounds and... When we have core wounds, the instinct is to then start put walls of protection around your heart. But when you get really protective, what that does is not only does it prevent you from putting love out, it prevents love from coming in. And so he would say over and over again throughout the course of the weekend, like the best gift you can give to the world is to heal yourself. And this is kind of basically what we're talking about. Like, because when that happens... Your core wounds are addressed and tended to and cared for and listened to. You know, It's not just ignoring them. Those walls, those protective barriers can come down. And all of a sudden you're able to give and receive love. And so that would be giving and receiving you know, affection, affirmation, mm-hmm. words of affirmation. And I have definitely seen that in 
even like my relationship to my family, which sometimes can feel complicated. I love them so much. And the more I do to tend my wounds for my nuclear family, the easier it is for me to come to the table with them now and love them now. Like I still have opportunities. My dad has passed off this plane, but like I still have opportunities with my mom and my sister. And the more I do to care for the things that happened in our family that were hard and painful, the more I'm able to actually engage in relationship with them now, as opposed to just avoiding it altogether. And my MO with my family, unlike any other relationship I have, even to myself or others, is avoidance. It's really interesting. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's even convicting for me sitting here talking about it. I'm like, oh, I still have some work to do there because like, I'm still seeing myself practice some of that avoidance and how we avoid ourselves all the time. That's part of why we leave our body. Yeah. It's an act of avoidance. But also family. Like, I just don't know any harder environment. Oh, to yeah. Do work I'm not shaming myself. I'm not no. shaming myself. <laughs> okay, good. I'm taking notes over good. here again. Like, I just oh, like, yeah. oh, like, my. By conviction, yeah. I mean like an opportunity yeah. to like continue to, like Becky was saying, there's more opportunity to like keep doing the yeah. work. And mm-hmm. I'm not mad at myself. Just tomorrow's another day. And the day after that's mm-hmm. another day. And it's complex, man. I would have never guessed with the way this conversation started, this is how it would end. Yeah. <laughs> breasts. I thought we were going to talk about breasts. Baby. <laughs> this episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Braun. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. All the music you heard in this episode was composed, produced, and licensed by the fine folks at blue.sessions.com. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now... Here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. I had this thought when we were talking about breasts that if men had to display the size and shape of their penis as women do their breasts, penile augmentation would be the number one (laughs) surgery that men would have. I mean, men wouldn't be able to handle it. Like if it was as obvious the size of their penis as women's breast size are just publicly we wouldn't even be able to walk around. Like we would, we would be, we would stay home. I mean, I mean, the shame would be that big. 